My Lunch with Frank by Kester Lovelace. Episode 4. Silence in court. The case for Frank Williams, please. <clears throat> Your Honour, members of the jury, I'm Dandy Dan, Mr. Frank Williams' agent, and I acknowledge on behalf of my client that the first draft of the adaptation has indeed been corrected and reworked by Michel Gabriel, assistant to aforementioned author, and linguist, fluent in English and French. Nevertheless, serious problems remain. Oh, what problems? Examples. Give me examples. Silence. The adaptation lacks vitality, texture, and humour. The characters' voices are unconvincing. That's, that's, that's preposterous. Will you stop? French equivalents have not been found for many British cultural references, which thus reduces the play's social comment. Oh, ridiculous! Are you criticising us for not adapting the play into a French context, or not keeping enough of the English one? Silence! Or I shall have you removed. There are many examples of incoherences in the text due to the fact that the director was not born and raised in Liverpool. But such as? Just give me one example. Mr. Lovelace, this is my last warning. Madame Gabrielle, who is perfectly bilingual and bicultural, has drawn up a long, incriminating list of appalling discrepancies. Therefore, the approval of the adaptation is being withheld by the author. Thank you. Case for the defence. Your Honour, members of the jury, I am at a loss as to what exactly I'm being accused of. I don't know what Michelle Gabriel's specific objections are. I haven't even seen her comments on our adaptation. Were you not at the working meetings with Madame Gabrielle and the translators? Had I been there, I would have convinced Michelle, uh, Madame Gabrielle, that what counts is getting the characters' voices right on stage. The vitality comes from the way the actors are directed. Who is Madame Gabrielle to judge? Has she ever translated a theatre piece or a song? Has she ever put a work on stage? She might be bilingual and bicultural, but then so am I. And I, not her, have experience of directing English works for the French stage. Being born in Liverpool is in no way a prerequisite for knowing and understanding every cultural reference in the play. Madame Gabrielle is not from Liverpool herself. The Twins has been put on in many countries. Did the Japanese worry about finding a cultural equivalent for Yorkshire puddings? Did the Slovaks find an equivalent to the Birkenhead Ferry? Our French adaptation remains unmistakably an English story. Dandy Dan, you can't give a single specific example. You're acting in bad faith. You are a liar. You are a madman. A liar. A madman. I'm not a liar. I'm not a Lester, liar. Lester, Lester, wake up. You're just having a bad dream. I'm not a madman. Of course you're not, darling. You need to calm down. Frank refuses to approve an adaptation he's already approved. I know. You and Frank have kept me awake all night. Oh, just turn your phone off, will you? Oh, no. It's Augustin. Don't answer it. It's 7.30. You can ring him back. Come here. Mm. Oh, that's a nice idea. Um... Just let me go and get you some coffee first. 
Hi. I'm sorry to ring you so early. Did I wake you up? No, I'm glad you did, really. I thought maybe with the kids, you up already? No, no, they're with their grandparents. Ah, sorry. Well, I couldn't wait. It's about the Sarah Bernard. Oh, can we start planning the production? Let me read it to you. You probably need to sit down. We regret to inform you that following an email from Frank Williams' agent, Simone de la Biche, indicating that the adaptation of the work has not been approved by the author, the theatre is obliged to withdraw you from our upcoming season. We cannot take the risk of incurring legal problems with the author. Lester, I can smell burning toast! Ow! Fuck! Ah! This is what she calls working hand in hand? She stabbed us in the fucking back and twisted the fucking knife! Checkmate! What? No, 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 it's alright. The theatre sent the check back. No, I mean, Frank doesn't want us to go ahead with the production, so he keeps putting us in check. Left, right and centre. And Simon, she looked me in the eye and said hand in hand. Well, everything is on hold for the moment. I'm going to ring Goldgrab. Can't have the Sarbernard thinking that I'd gone all that way without having the right to do so. You know, this affects my credibility in the industry. But we keep on playing, right? What do we do? Attack their queen? Our next move was a long, firm reply from Augustin's lawyer to Simone, pointing out all the anomalies in the Williams-Labiche opening, as their chess move will henceforth be known, and inviting them to find a rapid and amicable solution. The lawyer also contacted the Sarah Bernhardt, asking them to hold off from cancelling our slot while the misunderstanding was sorted out. The theatre replied that it was already too late. They had found someone else for our October slot, and that was that. All this happened slap-bang in the middle of the long-delayed second round of auditions for the ensemble. I decided to involve the cast, in particular our star, Vincent Paradis, in order to create a credible and homogenous group for the kids' scenes. I devised a workshop with Corentin, the choreographer, and Simon, the singing director, based around one of the big numbers in the show. It was all about, surprise, surprise, goodies and baddies. I got the actors running around exploring their inner seven-year-olds, playing imaginary games of cops and robbers, shooting each other, pretending to die, and of course getting up unscathed because their fingers were crossed behind their backs. It was chaotic, hilarious, exhilarating and exhausting. It was also bittersweet, seeing all this talent, testing them to their limits, seeing characters and hearing songs come to life, while knowing that the project, if not dying, was in a very bad way. I found the six actors who I was looking for. Then I was off for a much-needed break with Estelle. Venice during the carnival, here we come. I'm going to stroll around the duty-free. Anything you want? No, I I'm fine, chérie. You go. I've just got a call to make. Let me guess. Augustin? You know me too well. But I promise, once we're in Venice, I'll switch off. Mm -hmm. This is our holiday. Mm-hmm. You'd better. I promise, darling. Darling? Sorry, uh, I was just talking to Estelle. Listen, I just wanted to say that it would be great to tell the chorus members that they've got the parts. Okay, I'll do that, but I also have to write to the whole team and tell them about Simone getting the Sarah Bernard called off. Her sabotage, you mean? We have to be careful what we say. This is only going to be sorted out by the legal eagles, isn't it? I think so. We need to be patient. Some good news. 
I've heard from Front of Stage magazine. They want an option to publish our adaptation. They think it's excellent. You should tell Frank's agents. I will. Ironically, I can't publish it because I don't legally own it. But it's good for us that the independent critics praised it. Which proves that Frank and Michelle have been telling everyone a whole lot of fibs. I'm really starting to think that a black cat must have crossed my path. Be careful. Frank knows all about irrational beliefs. He even wrote a musical about it. Oh, you hear that? Enjoy your holiday, Lester. We'll speak when you get back. shouldn't have let you book the hotel. This is as kitsch as it gets. This is the Film Festival Hotel. Only the best for you, darling. So, each room is named after a film star? I thought you'd love it. Well, maybe if we're in George Clooney. <laughs> so, third room on the left. No. What? Who have we got? Marilyn Monroe. I thought you didn't like blondes. She's one of the light motifs of the show. Did you do this deliberately? No, total coincidence, I swear. Oh, you're supposed to be having a break from the twins, remember? Oh, God. She's everywhere. We're going to be sleeping under a giant size poster of her, for Christ's sakes. Can't we change rooms? It's a bit ominous. You mean for the future of the show? No. Not everything revolves around the show, Lester. <sighs> Come on, let's let's check out the bar. I've got a rendezvous with a Mr. Spritz. <gasps> this is my kind of shop. Are you coming in? Um, I'll wait for you outside. Not sure you need my dress advice. <laughs> Hi. I know I said I wouldn't call, but it's just so funny. Our hotel room is called Marilyn Monroe. Weird, eh? Anyway, just a quick thought about the adaptation problem. What do you think about getting a lyrics doctor to work on the songs to Michelle's satisfaction? Lester, tell me what you think of this. Oh, beautiful, darling. I love it. Buy it. You weren't speaking to Augustin, were you? Lester, I'm going to throw your phone in the canal. No, it's just a quick message. Don't worry. Let's go and buy some masks. We don't both need to queue up for tickets. Why don't you go and have another spritz and meet me back here in a quarter of an hour? Oh, English galanterie. That's my middle name. Mm, see you in a minute. Hi, guess who? I'm a bit worried that we're short on time now, so maybe Frank could agree to extending our rights to make up for lost time? Oh, gotta go. Per favore, due biglietti? What's the matter? Uh, I think I left my sunglasses at the cafe. I'll, I'll quickly run back. Well, hurry up, otherwise the gondola will leave without us. No, it won't. You can keep them waiting with your amazing Italian.
Ciao, Bello. Last message, I promise. Perhaps we don't need Frank's approval of another venue. Maybe we should start producing the show before the rights expire. What do you think? Did you find them? What? The sunglasses. No. Yes. I, I mean, they were in my bag after all. <laughs> Typical. Come on, then. The gondolier's been waiting. Not another fucking gondola. Lester! Uh, no, it's Monty Python. So much for a break. I arranged to meet Augustin Belli an hour after I stepped off the plane. He had, of course, some important news. Sorry for not returning your calls. I promised Estelle to leave you in peace. Oh, did you? Well, she can be very persuasive. Anyway, while you were away, I asked Goldgrab to find out urgently whether Frank wishes to continue our collaboration, and if so, under what conditions. I also informed the team that it would be impossible to fight Frank if he maintains his opposition to our project. An ultimatum? Enough is enough. And guess what? I've just had this reply from Frank's lawyer. We do not agree with the way Madame Goldgrab has analyzed the affair, and we are not happy that Simone de la Biche is being threatened with legal proceedings, since she has just been doing her job vis-à-vis de Frank Williams. Mr. Williams will be happy to see the adaptation corrected by Michel Gabriel at Augustin Le Parfait's expense. An appropriate sum will be indicated by Simone de la Biche. So, they want you to pay Michel to rework an adaptation that doesn't need reworking? Uh, wait, wait. This is the killer. The moral rights of the author supersede any contractual agreement. Any request to prolong the performance rights will have to be addressed to Dandy Dan, Mr. Williams' agent, as it will have nothing to do with Simone de la Biche. Well, I just can't get straight answers out of them. Look, why don't I just pick up the phone and talk directly to Frank and work out what the real issue is? Mm. No intermediaries, no language barriers. I'll gladly tell Frank how Simone's mishandled the whole affair. It's tempting. But after our experience over lunch, I'm not sure Frank is into discussing with us. I'd be making many people very happy if I managed to thwart Simon. Don't make it personal, Lester. I can see your point, but I need to think about it. True, it wasn't my call, and I didn't make it. And I could conceivably have made things worse. I felt so powerless. I could only sit and wait. Augustin's reaction and reply to Frank's lawyer was sent via Madame Goldgrab at the end of February. In exchange for a reasonable sum offered to Michel to come over to Paris and work a few hours on a few tiny details, Augustin demanded an extension of our contract for another year and a correction sent to the Sarah Bernhardt certifying that he was indeed in possession of the performance rights to the Star-Crossed Twins. Soon after this letter, we were summoned to Simon's office. In episode four of My Lunch with Frank by Kester Lovelace, Kester Lovelace was Lester, Leslie Clack, Dandy Dan, and Martin Lewis, the judge. Oscar Lesage played Augustin and Manon Clavel, Estelle. The sound was designed by Laurent Polray. My Lunch with Frank was directed and produced by Joanna Schibist. Mm-hmm.